Welcome to Level Up, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and the faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We will explore the many adversity that each one of us experience and share our story to inspire and inform. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Dr. Antonio Johnson. Dr. Johnson, welcome to Level Up. Can you introduce yourself to us, please? Hi, Dr. Lena. My name is Dr. Antonio Johnson. Um, My job title, I am a consultant. I am an adjunct instructor for a number of organizations. And in my spare time, I like just kind of reading and giving back to the community. And as far as me being anything other than an instructor, again, I, I'm a consultant that I work for the state to an organization where I work with SVPs and do risk assessment. And SVPs, if you don't know, they're sexually violent people that I actually been locked up for 25 years from there. They get a chance to get remanded to a civil institution and once they're released from the public, I do risk assessment for those guys. Wow. So other than teaching, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you actually do a risk assessment? Well, other than a teacher, I started my career working in public safety. I worked for a large uh, Midwestern police department. She'll be named uh, nameless at this particular point in time. Mm-hmm. I started out as a patrolman, went to detective, and then a uh, sergeant, where I got a chance to kind of do profiling certain aspects when I did investigations of violent crimes, and that kind of uh, took over my whole aspect of research. And then I kind of parlayed that to doing a second career for that other than teaching. Wow, that's actually an amazing background. When you were growing up, were you thinking of, hey, I'm going to be a policeman or obviously a detective when I grow up, or it kind of just went through life? I never, out of three or 4,000 careers, I never thought that I would be a police officer. I never thought I would be uh, linked to anything in public safety. You have to realize, Dr. Lee, and I grew up in the inner city where that wasn't really an, I would say, a, a path of glory for individuals in my neighborhood. It was like either you uh, sell pharmaceuticals or you either use pharmaceuticals. But I'd say athletics actually took me out of the bounds of, of being harmed in that particular aspect. So being uh, supported by my mom and my dad, I was able to kind of concentrate on other aspects as far as athletics as academics and when I got like 14 or 15 I said to myself I was going to leave the city and go off somewhere uh, to another state and go to school and that's how I kind of got my path. Wow well first of all thank you so much for all your services we appreciate it that's for sure you probably are always in the harm's way when you're doing that type of job. Um, How did you became a teacher like what happens from there to being a teacher? was big. Like I said, I worked public safety entities in the Chicagoland area and all the meetings that I conducted. It was like, wow, maybe you should kind of parlay this to uh, creating a 
terrorism awareness unit within our police department and work with a couple of individuals. I did that and we just had to kind of do a course development. Once we did a course development, whether it was chemical, whether it was biological, radiological, explosives, uh, cultural aspects. And I had to get up in front of the class and actually talk for an hour, sometimes three or four hours at a time. And my boss was like, hey, you can do this on an academic level if that's what you want to do. And he was a uh, an adjunct mm-hmm. for an organization, and he brought me in, and that's how I got the bug in regards to teaching. I never thought that I would actually teach. I thought I would go to law school, and I had already been accepted to law school, and I was going to go to law school. But after that teaching experience, uh, that's when I got on my way to pursuing my MBA, pursuing my doctorate in business, just off of teaching a couple of classes for the police department. Wow. So someone inspired you to kind of show you like, hey, maybe you could be a great teacher. What do you like about teaching? What is it about teaching that you really like? I like the give back in regards to teaching because it is a thankless job, it's thankless pay. But when you are able to give back to a student and that student comes back to you two or three years after the fact and reach out to you and say, because of you, Dr. Johnson, I'm doing this. Or because of you, Dr. Johnson, I'm in the aspect of continuing my career in that. And that gives me the greatest pleasure. Yeah, that's kind of enjoyable. That's like our own accomplishments when our students come back, you know, years later, like, you made an impact in my life. So that's really an amazing thing. How has the recent COVID-19 pandemic affected your teaching methodology, or has it? I believe that uh, the recent pandemic has allowed me to be more, not that I wasn't empathetic and sympathetic, but now in a way that I can feel what my students feel. I have students in class that say, hey, my mom has died from COVID or my uncle was in a hospital or my dad is suffering from certain aspects. And because I've lost family members, I can actually understand their pain. And therefore, as an instructor or facilitator, I'm able to work with that student and explain to those individuals, hey, we can work with you until you get through this process. So I'm able to Again, understand a little bit more from their perspective and understanding my methodology that, hey, I have to work with that student even more. Not that they don't want to complete it. It's just they have so many things on their mind. And as their facilitator, I need to help them take that journey uh, together. We need to take it together. Yeah, that's true. What is your favorite thing that you've learned from a student from all the years that you've been teaching? Like, is there a subject you taught and, you know, the student said something you're like, Hey, that's pretty cool. I would look back on a student, I would say maybe about 10, maybe 12 years ago, and a student brought it to my attention that as an facilitator instructor, it means a lot to the student when you are able to call that individual, you're able to answer that email, you're able to respond to that student within a when it's in at least amount of time because it, it actually helps that student their overall progression of the class and it alleviates that stress. That's what I've actually learned from that student. From then on, I try to make sure that I'm communicating with those students, make sure that I'm able to extract information via the introduction 
and kind of see what's going on in our life at that particular point in time. Because again, as you go through that class, that introduction can actually apply to you understanding what's going on with that student. Because again, each student has their own trials and tribulations. And as a facilitator or instructor, you can understand that just by that introduction. Yeah, that's true. That they feel supported that you're there, even just a phone call or an email or even just a text, you know, just, hey, I'm still here if you need anything. So, yeah, that is true. What is the most challenging thing for you in the classroom when you're teaching, even pre-COVID or during COVID? I would say even though we've gotten better with Internet, we've gotten better with the Wi-Fi, I would say, like, if I'm teaching in Chicago and there's a tornado in Oklahoma or there is a hurricane in Florida and a student's Wi-Fi might be out for a week or two. I think that's the most challenging aspect as an instructor. You have to work with the students through bad weather because, again, they may not be able to get internet service for a week depending on where they are in the country. And if I'm teaching the international students, God forbid, like, what's going on now in Ukraine with the war? Students there will not be able to access internet at this time or date anytime. So that would say will be one of my main challenges within the classroom. Yeah, that's true. Now, what do you think you should do as a professor to keep your student engaged? Because sometimes we all know, especially for the classes that are uh, synchronous, that so we have live Zooms and things like that. Our students are either working, they're writing, they're, you know, feeding their kids, or they're just not paying attention to what you're trying to convey in that moment. How do you keep your students engaged in the classroom? First and foremost, you want to elicit feedback, albeit, hey, Donna, how's it going? How's your day going? Uh, Great job on first discussion. You just didn't structure and development was amazing. But how did you feel about the second paragraph when it asked uh, certain, they say it asked Tom to uh, describe his feelings towards Ella? I want to, I'm eliciting your responses on a particular paragraph. So that's how I keep my students engaged. And in regards to a live Zoom meeting, when I'm doing the Zoom meeting, when I'm doing breakout sessions, I ask those students to come back with certain feedback among themselves and give a consensus of who wants to be that speaker and coming back and give me that answer based on the question that I asked during that uh, actual Zoom meeting. Right. So breakout room is a, another tool that I also use to kind of give the student more time uh, rather than lecture, I really am trying my best to do 20-80, you know, 20% lecture and 80% their activities. But sometimes it's kind of difficult to do 20-80 when the students are not reading <laughs> their class reading and you have to give them kind of like a base template foundation of what it's about, right? Because otherwise they're just going to waste their time. So <laughs> what would you like the students to know about you that is like relatable to their own experience? Uh, first and foremost, we have a diversified student population that is actually evolving in our higher ed. So I want those individuals to know, based on my life experiences, because more often than not, those individuals are either first uh, generation or second generation students. So based on my experience of growing up in the inner city of being from a diverse uh, population, mm -hmm. I want to know that, that I did it, and as I took my journey, you can take the journey same journey and I'm there 
for those individuals that want me to help them. Yeah, that's true. Now, you know, sometimes when students tell me, at least from my own experiences, they go to the classroom that you obviously introduce yourself to establish credibility, but some of them, especially the shy ones, they don't really want to interact with you, right? Because they're like, oh, they did too many degrees, they're too high up, and they probably can't relate with me. Like, what type of examples do you usually kind of, you know, at the very beginning, especially first week of class, what kind of examples do you use so that your students can actually like relate and feel comfortable engaging with you, but also calling you outside the classroom if they really need help? Well, what I do within the classroom, I, I make it relatable. I explain my journey to how did I get to where I got to this again. I wasn't born with a silver spoon. I might interject like, I'll have an individual within one of my classes who might say, well, I had some issues within uh, my family. One of my individuals actually got hurt uh, today in a domestic or what have you. And then I'll relate that information back to me getting saved. I was riding a bus when I was 16, and an individual, they were 20, 21, uh, asking what gang I was in. I was like, I was in a gang for a a, a weapon on me and I got stabbed 32 times with 32 stitches. Oh. And I mean, I got stabbed. Yeah, 30, I got 32 stitches and being stabbed. And that's like a wake up call. Like, wow, you went through that. So what I'm going through now or my shyness of me not being able to talk, I'm able to open up because you actually told me something personal about yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm also trying to f- find ways to engage students where forget about the title forget even that i have all that degrees let's talk about what how we can make this classroom our classroom together so that we can have um a learning experience that we all can change from right and i think your examples are just like super amazing because it's real life like hey i went through all this adversity I don't know what kind of adversity that you're dealing with right now or have gone through, but since we're in this one area that we all are here, we might as well experience what we need to experience. Like, so if you could like tell your colleagues, fellow teachers from your own experiences, kind of tips, Hey, these are the one, two or three tips that I usually do in my classroom to engage my students or to make sure that, you know, something that I do that can relate to them. What would those be? Number one, never make it about you. Number two, take the journey with your student. And number three, don't make it about being just about your way or the highway. Work with your students. Those are three tips that I would give any professor, any individual when working with students, albeit online or face-to-face or even in a hybrid class. Those are the three things I would, because again, we have a tendency once we get these letters behind our name, we want to say it's a special club. We don't want to let anybody in, but that should be just the opposite. We want to groom people to let those individuals in based on we can't do this forever. And again, as that instructor facilitator, we have to be able to work with the younger generation. Again, we are, they are the future and we should train them as such. You know, 
you're actually the second individual that put that in my face because I haven't really thought about it. Like, I okay, I look at my kids. I'm like, okay, they're the future. I say it, but I didn't really think about it. Let we are Dr. Raquel Thompson Elliott mentioned. Like, I take the world in my classroom, and I told her expand a little bit. What do you mean by that? And she said, you know, I take the world because I have international students and their own experiences. But they are the future. They are the decision maker. They are the new judges. They are the new president. How are we educating this future that we're going to be living in that they're going to make decisions for us? And you actually told say the same thing. Like, we need to accommodate whatever that they are going through right now because education is more important because they are going to be our future. Correct. And I, I think I came across that first and foremost, working in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We have to train the younger officers to be where we are right now because once we retire or leave the job, we want to be able to say, hey, we left this organization in better hands. Um, and again, we have to forget about all the politics, all the self-serving individuals. Again, as we do our job to make the officers around us better, uh, we'll make the uh, department a better place in regards to whether they're responding to their co-workers mm-hmm. or the citizens in general. Wow. Yeah, that is actually, I hope everyone thinks about that like that and not gender, color, politics, or anything. Just leave it behind because at the end of the day, those doesn't really pay us and our society just went crumble up, you know? So that's why I don't even talk about politics or religion in my class at all. I try to avoid mm-hmm. those. If I could remove anything, like barriers, constraints, things like that, if you were to create a project, what would it be? And would you want to be known only for that project? If I had to just create one project, it would be a project. I know I'm starting kind of naive in a way. I would create a project with all cultures or individuals from, say, about different subcultures and subcultures. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them to work on a project that would eliminate barriers of how they felt about certain, I'm going to say certain cultures. For example, how would a individual from a Latin culture work with an individual from an Asian, Asian culture? Or kind of even break it down even more. Um, here in Chicago, I have people, I know an individual that's a friend, he's a, uh, has Chinese descent. He's like, well, his culture, they don't really get along with Asian uh, individuals. I have an individual from uh, Mexico say his culture doesn't get along with people from Puerto Rican. Because my kid's mother, she's Puerto Rican, and I was like, I didn't even know that. So Irish and Italian, so these are the subcultures I want to bring together I don't have to work on projects in order to eliminate barriers. So the short of it, that's what I would do. Wow. Actually, that's a good project because you're right. I think biases, hatred, all of our issues, our egos bruised, it comes from how we were raised. Like 
certain race will tell, no, I don't want that. Not because of the individual. It's just because that's how you were raised. You don't even have a reason not to like them. It's because how you were raised. You hear it all the time. And you see that way as a good way because that's how you hear from your parents, your friends, you know, like all your circles. But yeah, you're right. I think if we eliminated barriers on just different races, like you're right, in Asian culture, they have, you know, issues with their own race in in turmoil right rich poor how you look the color of your skin how much money you have like that's super important to certain cultures so that would be a good project i definitely want to be in that project so don't forget don't forget me if you ever be in there i want to be in that project for sure and i think that's with my team when i have a, a project that we do like the book that we just recently do it doesn't matter uh color whatever degree or not degree if you're willing to work it this is our criteria let's go and that's usually what i do with my my team when we create a project so hopefully in the future we will have a project done together for sure last but not least what makes you feel inspired is there anything you'd like to share to inform and inspire our listeners what inspires me when i see that our younger generation they're actually taking time they're actually doing the work to make the next generation beyond them better. We give, as our generation, we give in the younger generation so many tools to work with. And it inspires me when I see that an individual may be using those tools to become better than what we are. And again, take this world by storm. Uh, like say we have cell phones, we have uh, the Wi-Fi. Take what we've implement it to, hey, maybe do some space travel on a regular basis, or maybe like, I'm kind of dating myself when I was younger, watching the Jetsons where they can make like air vehicles that can get you from one place to another as opposed to just driving. That excites me, that inspires me that the younger generation will take what we learned, what we implemented, and make the society even better than it was before we came along. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely want not to have war, for sure. I definitely don't want hunger, for sure. And the divide that we're feeling right now, definitely don't want that. Those are the three things that I wish. And, and gas prices. Uh, California's gas prices are ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not even going to talk about that. But that would be something that I definitely don't want. Because I see a lot of families, you know, they're struggling. And they're basically one paycheck away from being homeless. And it's ridiculous. It's like the people are actually fighting for their life today more than ever. You know, and you're like, oh, there's so many jobs. I'm like, right, but they're not really hiring. Like, have you seen the jobs in LinkedIn where, you know, there's one job and 400 applicants? What does that tell you? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And here it is, uh, Dr. Leland. There are jobs out here, but are those jobs really jobs that will have people wanting to work and know that it's a, a good living as a job that pertains to having a great living? Yeah. You know, is it? You know, jobs that are out here, non-skilled jobs that don't really, they won't help people pay their rent or won't people help people put food on the table or, like you say, put gas in their car. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I just, I can't celebrate you enough for even dealing with the type of jobs that you're dealing with with people that you're trying to 
hopefully you know rehabilitate and kind of doing that and then on the side you give back to the community by being an educator i think your heart is in the right place it's very inspiring and i hope to continue to talk to you in the future with when it comes to leadership and uh your experiences in that and again uh going back to like again some people may not understand with the whole aspect of the SP, SBT thing mm-hmm. uh, in regards to why am I doing this? Again, my aspect is if I don't do it, somebody else will do it and they may not have necessary the skills to do it the right way. So therefore, I take whatever I do and the passion that I take it that I have to do it correctly in order to make sure that individuals are held accountable in a way that other individuals may not hold them accountable. Yeah, it's important. And also you're paving the way for the future. Like you said, you know, we're going to be waiting for our generation, the new generation to hopefully be better than us, right? Um, Correct. So you're paving the way of the right way to do the, the job correctly. So I thank you for that on multiple levels from being a teacher to a public servant. So thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Leila. All right. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast or have questions, email me at leveluppbydocleland at gmail.com. Doc Leland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. I will see you soon in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time. Mm-hmm.